What is up, everybody? This is the Monday Main Point brought to you by Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Blake Flincham, and I'm the children's minister, uh, the children's minister here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church. I have uh, become the new host because our associate pastor Jonathan left, and he's doing great things over in Hillsboro. But I am joined by my brothers and sister here, uh, Jeff McCarthy, our lead pastor, who brought uh, this recent sermon to you. Our youth pastor Jeremiah Custer, and our congregational admin, uh, our Remind me of your title again. I'm sorry. It's a con- minister of congregational. That's right, minister of congregational care. That's right. I wanted to get that right. So we uh, had a sermon yesterday brought to you by Pastor Jeff on really one of the most well-known verses in all of Scripture um, from Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine. And Jeff, uh, give us a little bit of background of why why you chose that specific text and this specific sermon for yesterday. Well. Um, you know, it's Christmas, so normally you pick sermons around Christmas, and so we're at the very beginning of the Christmas stage, and I was thinking about the whole thing where everybody, the first thing they start thinking about with Christmas, especially if you're a kid, is what am I going to get for Christmas? And as parents and as uh, adults, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And so that was kind of the idea, and I'm like, well, you know, we have all these gifts that you get. What would be the greatest gift that, that somebody could give you? And so that's kind of like the thought that I had to, to find out um, uh, how to use this passage to um, present what, what Paul was saying about, about Jesus being the gift of salvation, that that's the greatest gift of all, for sure. And so that was, that was really the whole seed in my mind about, you know, this passage and using it during Christmas. Yeah, and I thought it was actually a great, um, a great passage for you to choose, especially given um, yesterday's... Uh, Yesterday, like with the children singing that morning, because we have we know some people um, who we had invited who we weren't quite sure on, you know, their salvation and stuff. So I was really excited that you chose that that passage, and uh, it was a great Sunday here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church yesterday. Thought the the Lord was really working, and excited for what uh, the future holds for us come next year. Um, let's go ahead and get in right into the uh, our passage from Ephesians two. I'm gonna have Katrina. Read it and pray for us, and then we'll dive right into the uh, dive right into the passage. All right. So we are in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, uh, verses eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. All right. If you don't mind going ahead and praying for us too. Sure. Let us pray. Dear gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to come together today. Father, what a gift it is just to have the freedom to come together and worship, to serve you, uh, to be here together with you on the podcast, to talk about this sermon in depth and really go into what it is that this gift is and what it should mean to us and and how we can use it to serve you uh, more and more each day. We thank you, Father, when you ask that you just bless our time together, uh, use it to enrich us all and those who would listen. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Katrina. So uh, the title of yesterday's sermon was The Greatest Christmas Gift, like Pastor Jeff was talking about. And the two points that he had was the greatest gift of salvation, and that came from verse 8, and a sub-point of it is through faith, uh, again, with uh verse 8 and then the second point that yeah was it cannot be earned from verses 8 and 9 so let's start with that uh, first point Jeff the greatest gift is salvation 
like you were saying, during Christmas time, and especially, I think of right after Black Friday, we're talking about so many, you know, so many gifts. You know, we're all thankful one day, and then the next day we're, you know, uh, you know, trampling over each other to go buy a television for gifts the next day. So that's um, uh, you know, gifts are on people's minds right now. And you start out by saying it is with grace. I'm gonna throw this out here for uh, anyone to answer. Let's help her. Let's define what grace is. Throw that to throw that to whoever. I'll bite. Uh, so Jeff defined it with two acronyms. Uh, so if you listen to the sermon, uh, Jeff defined it pretty good. He also um, so like the first the first sub point is it is by grace, and so um, he had like five or six verses there uh, talking about what grace is. Um, but most people just define it as the unmerited favor of God. That's like the simplest maybe way we can talk about it. But um, he also said the Greek was, um, oh, I can't remember the uh, exact word. The word Duran, right? Duran, Duran, yeah. yeah. Well, that's gift. It's oh, freely, that's gift. So the, before you can even dive into the passage, you had to figure out well, what is the it that is the gift. Yeah. Because some people would say, well, it's the grace, and then other people would say, no, it's faith. Well, really, it's all. It's grace and faith, but it's salvation. So the, it's pointing back to salvation. Yeah. That's the actual gift that God gives us, and then he gives it by his grace, and then we receive it through faith. So, um, so yeah, so, so Doran is the word for gift, hmm. uh, which meant, you know, a present, an offering, um, or a sacrifice, which is kind of set up then how to explain what grace is and what um, um, what uh, faith is. Yeah. But grace, of course, is uh, is charis, which is yeah. it's it's a gift from God. It comes from God. He's the source. Um, but it's everything that you can think of of who God is: grace, mercy, love, kindness. It's just all kind of it's multifaceted, really. And, um, and, but, but when you look at it, like, uh, grace is getting something we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then mercy is, uh, how did you, you do get about doing grace and mercy? Yeah. So I like to define both grace and mercy together because it, it helps you understand what grace mm-hmm. is, but then it also helps you understand what mercy mm-hmm. is. But if you understand them both, I think you understand them yeah. both better. Mm-hmm. So I say that grace is receiving something you don't deserve Mm -hmm. or something you didn't earn you don't deserve it um well then mercy is not receiving something you do deserve yes so you deserve punishment you deserve let's say uh you went and stole something from the gas station i bring that up because my my sister did it one time around christmas time But you, you steal something from a gas station, you get caught, you go home. What you deserve is punishment for that. Well, having mercy on my sister, my mother didn't give her the punishment that she deserved. That's mercy. And so understanding them both, one is not receiving, or sorry, receiving something you didn't earn. And then the other one is not receiving something you did earn. And I like to try to define both of them the same way every time so that because i think if you do that people really get a good grasp on what grace is because 
We have we have song after song about amazing grace, mm-hmm. and it is it's an amazing, glorious, Real. just beautiful yeah. thing that you could spend books and pages defining. But it's also a pretty simple thing in the sense of it's it's that gift. Yeah. It's receiving something you didn't earn. Just like at Christmas, we get a bunch of gifts that we didn't earn. You don't deserve it. It's like if Santa Claus, you were on the naughty list, and he still gave it to you anyways. Mm. Um, Which is really what happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> we're all on the naughty yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah, so so that was the whole point is it's God's unmerited favor, unearned yeah. grace, mercy, all those things all all latched in one, but but he's just he's just get it's like here it is. Yeah. No strings attached, you know, it's available for you if you want. What so. I loved about your description of that too was the sacrificial you said it was a sacrificial gift from God. Mm-hmm. And I loved how you phrased that because God was modeling for us. He was teaching us how to worship. He was giving of himself to us. And that's what he, all he asks of us is to give of ourselves to him. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think you bring up a good point right there. And, you know, a lot of times when we are sharing the gospel, we're going to talk about how the Father sent the Son and how the Son came to die for us to, uh, for us to be reconciled back to the Father because there is that sin and there is that separation that um, really puts us at enmity with God. Here's a question that I want to throw out to the panel here. What role does the Holy Spirit play in salvation? Because I think a lot when we talk about salvation and we worship a triune God, we're going to talk a lot about the Father and we're going to talk a lot about the Son, obviously, because the Son did a lot, obviously, did the work on the cross. What role does the Holy Spirit play? Because a lot of times in Baptist circles, if we're honest, the Holy Spirit's the forgotten God. So what what role does the Holy Spirit play in our and our salvation? Does He play multiple roles? One role? Um, we can kind of go around the table here if you want. Well, we just talked about this in the spiritual gifts class uh, last night, and the Holy Spirit does have multiple roles. Yes, mm. He's involved in the calling to of the sinner to repentance. Mm. He is involved in the indwelling of the Spirit. Uh, for the believer, uh, when they commit their life to Christ, he bestows the spiritual gifts on the believer. So he's got multiple roles that um, he fills for us. And, and the thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is always glorifying Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jesus says, I'll, I'll be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So the way we do that is when we lift up Christ, then the Holy Spirit is the one really drawing people. So when we preach, like if we preach on grace and we preach on faith and things like this, we're depending on the Holy Spirit then to take God's word and these 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 um, passages He's given to us and the message we've put together and the illustrations and everything we're doing. We're we're saying, okay, God, I'm putting it out there now. You have to do your part, which is the Holy Spirit's part, is the people hearing it, you know, because faith comes by hearing. I didn't bring that up in the message, but. But uh, if they hear it and the Holy Spirit starts convicting them or starts drawing it on their heart, he does his part of saying, you know, that makes sense. You know, I do deserve punishment, but God's, you know, provided this way out for me. You know, I need to do something about it. So I think the Holy Spirit's role is important because we can't convict people, but he can. Mm. And we can't, uh, and he's not going to coerce people either. So a lot of times in preaching and all, it would be easy to get up there and, you know, coerce people, have them do things, 
in a way of trying to get them to come forward as opposed to saying, okay, I'm just going to put the message out there and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Uh, because um, his whole thing is, is uh, he wants to, to come into someone's life once they're invited, invited uh, they invite him to come to their life. So, and that's that God with us. That's Emmanuel, God with us. That's God in us, the priesthood of the believers. Right, and Jesus promises the believers in the Great Commission in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, that I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And that manifests itself with the Spirit being indwelling in the believer. And that was promised, um, let's see, that was promised in the New Covenant, in the um, in the prophecy of the New Covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses uh or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 31 through chapter 34. We, um, Jeff, you're talking about this, it is the salvation. Mm-hmm. What technically is salvation? Uh, well, salvation is rescue. It's um, redemption. It's the purchase. It's, it's the penalty's been paid. So, so without Jesus, without God, um, when, when you look at Ephesians, the context is that you're dead. And we're not alive. And the only way to become alive is if, if the Holy Spirit enters into your life and then now you're made right with God. You're justified with God uh, because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. So um, you bring up a good point there with justification. That leads me into what I want to kind of talk about next. When we talk about salvation, I kind of look at salvation, uh, I guess, under the umbrella of salvation, if you will, as having three parts, justification, sanctification, and Glorification, Jeremiah, could you kind of explain for the listeners what justification, sanctification, and glorification is? Yeah, so justification is what happens at salvation, uh, meaning that God has made us just or right in his Mm -hmm. eyes. And so it's a standing before God. I am now seen as righteous. Is it kind of like in a legal sense? I would say legal sense, although I'm... I'm pretty strong in my uh, understanding of the gospel in a legal sense. I've been trying to go back to understanding the gospel in a relational right. sense. Um, but I would point. say, yeah, definitely more legal, like uh, we're guilty, which is a legal term. And because we're guilty, uh, we don't deserve to be in God's presence. We don't. We didn't earn it. We We don't deserve it, right? And so... Christ on the cross takes on our sin, so he removes our sin from us, takes it on himself, grants us his righteousness, gives us a right standing before God. And so that's justification. He has justified us. Some people say he makes us just as if I'd never sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's what justified means. And then after justification, that, that comes first. Then we go through the sanctification process where the Spirit begins to work in us and we begin to to be what we already are Mm -hmm. or become what we already are. So we were already justified. We were already just. We were already cleansed as far as our standing before God. But then he begins to work in us to make us look more like Jesus. So to become more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus, to react like Jesus, to... Uh, just be a better person because that's what Jesus is. Right. So that's sanctification process. The Spirit works there. And then glorification is when we receive our just reward at the end and we get to our, our due reward. I probably shouldn't say just reward, but our due reward because of everything Jesus done for us, we go to heaven and we go through the 
glorification where we get a new glorified body and we get to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus. So all those. Yeah. yeah and the reason that I bring that question up, I think so many times in, in church life, we can think of salvation as a one-time event when really it's a lifelong process. Um, obviously that when we would say we got saved, that would be justification. But the whole Christian life is like one big thank you in response to that justification to become more like Christ and knowing that we will dwell with Christ one day. Um, with this great gift that we have, why is it that sometimes we struggle or you think humans might struggle with just accepting this gift? Because obviously we didn't do anything to earn it. We'll talk about that later. But with the gift, why, why do some people struggle with just accepting the offense of the gospel, Pastor Jonathan covered that in one of his mm. sermons. I'll never forget it. He did such a great job. But the offense of the gospel is that you have to admit that there is a God and, and you're not him. You, you have um, a deficiency of some sort. And that's what we have a hard time admitting to. We have a hard time admitting to the fact that we need him. And we want to try and do it on our own. And, and, and just being able to surrender is so hard for us to let go of. We, we get in that protect self mode and I can do it and and all he wants us to say is let me do it yeah you know? and I think what happens to a lot of people too is we get saved by grace and then all of a sudden in our mind we think that okay now I've got to do these things in that, in that sanctification process Jeremiah was talking about so I've got to do all these things now in order then to continue to attain that grace or to earn that grace that I received freely as, as a, you know, when I became a believer. And so, um, I think that's, I think that's the big, um, so we felt like then I've got to do something now to, to continue to, to stay saved as opposed to still relying upon God's grace and letting him burn the dross of sin from our life. So if I'm convicted of a sin or some area in my life where I have a weakness and I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit and then I go to him and I get, you know, I, I work it all out. I, I ask for forgiveness. I get restored, reconciled, all those things that we do in life when we have a relationship problems with people. The same thing happens with God. Well, he's still pouring out his free grace to us. It's, it's still, I, I didn't really earn that. He, he's like making it available for me. The problem is we don't go to him for that grace that's available. We think in some way we've got to still really do something to earn it. And I, I just think that's part of our nature. I mean, it goes back to the beginning when you could be like God if you do this. So I think that that's still part of part of the DNA of, of who we are as, as, as humankind, that, that somehow or another we feel like we can do something in order to, order to earn God or have a relationship with Him uh, more than what He's already made available to us. We put qualifications on love, and God doesn't. God's love is unconditional, and it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that. We want to have to earn it, you know? Right, and with that, with that grace, so it's obviously from God, so this isn't of ourselves. Um, it's by grace through faith. Um, and with this lifelong kind of venture of faith, um, Jeremiah, help me. I can't remember what, is it Hebrews that defines faith? For us, eleven one. Yeah, Hebrews eleven one. Um, do you know that off the top of your head, or does anybody know that? I can't yes, quite remember. Yes, faith is the evidence of things. Or substance, of things. substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which is a definition of faith. But 
the literal easy definition of faith to really understand it is just trusting and believing in someone or something. And so the someone we're trusting in, of course, is Jesus. And that's who we're believing in and putting our faith and trust in. So even though we haven't seen him, we have the substance of him because we have God's word, which reveals him. And so, uh, so we can still trust him um, with our faith, even though we've never seen him, because we have, we have the revealed word of God. But one day we will see him. But, but because we hadn't seen him or he didn't show up now, doesn't mean our, our faith is diminished in any way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and go to our second point here because we've already been kind of touching on it with um, how it can't be earned and how this uh, greatest gift cannot be earned. So figure we might as well go to the second point here. So with this gift that cannot be earned then, there's a question that I was thinking about last night. I was kind of prepping for the podcast. Obviously, we would say we're saved by grace through faith, obviously. And uh, the latter part of uh, verse 8 or 9 says that it's not from works. Well, the book of James says that we are justified by our works. So how do we how do we kind of reconcile that with um, you know Paul saying one thing, James is saying one thing, and even our even the great reformer Martin Luther he thought that the epistle of James was that of straw was a, it was no importance because he held so much to sola gratia to by faith by grace alone. Yeah, so some of that's, uh, I think, translation and word definition that uh, gets kind of mixed up. But, and I was actually about to bring this up when it talked about we are saved through faith. James, what James is trying to say is that a faith that doesn't manifest itself in action is not true faith. Hmm. And so he's actually trying to define faith for us, basically saying that this type of faith is an act the, the actual type of faith is a faith that that's going to manifest itself with actually trusting God because I could say I believe in God it's another thing to say I believe in God he's told me to move to Ur of the Chaldeans for instance which is what Abraham did right he's told me to just start walking and so I started walking that's a different that's real faith not just I believe in God, he's out there, but I believe that he, and I'm going to follow his word regardless of what it means for my life, regardless of the implications. Yeah. That's true faith. And I think that's what James is trying to do. He's trying to define, hey, this is not just the easy believism, but it's actual, like, uh, I trust the chair that I'm sitting in, but you don't really trust the chair that you're sitting in until you're actually sitting in right. the chair. Because that showed, you you showed that, oh, yeah, you really do trust it. And it's the same thing with, with God. You could say all day, yeah, I trust. I, I know God's there. I believe in Him. I trust Him. But then when He's called you to do something or He's called you to, to go out, does it actually manifest itself in action? Well, where we get bogged down is, is like, oh, well, if I'm going to prove I'm a Christian, then I've got to do the action. And we, we skip the step of, faith and trust it's really about faith and then some people are like well if it's about faith something you have to do then that means you earned it and like no it's just faith a true faith is going to manifest itself in action it's going to show up and be work itself out right and like i i teach this to the kids all the time you know like 
Jeremiah, you and I work at, out at the garden center, and, you know, we're going to sell, like, fruit trees. You know, if we sell somebody an apple tree and it produces peaches or something like that, I mean, it's not a genuine apple tree. For Christians, if we say that we are in Christ, then we should look like Christ. We should imitate Christ, as Paul talks about in um, 1 Corinthians 11. 1, he said, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. And we should go and look like, and that's where our witness really does come in. And I, I like what you said about there about when we get into the works, we feel like we almost have to work to keep our salvation sometimes. If we miss, um, if we miss the finished work of Christ on the cross, we're going to forget that we don't have to work for our salvation. And honestly, there's a lot of, there's still a lot, especially like in rural like Appalachia and um, here in the south a little bit, there's a lot of, uh, just went out to Oklahoma, and uh, apparently there's a big like Pentecostal presence out there. Um, and they would obviously assert that you have to kind of like work for salvation, work to kind of like keep your salvation. Why is that not true? Why do Baptists not affirm that? You asking me? I'm asking all of you. <laughs> well, if you look at works as plural, like we think we've got to do all these different works. But when you look at what Christ did for us, it was his work, period. It is finished. He's completed it. It's done. So you either believe that or you don't believe it. Um, it's either eternal life or he's not really telling the truth. It's not really eternal life. So... Um, when you look at grace and faith, and then when you throw James, what you know, you got to remember James was Jesus's brother, so so he observed Jesus his whole entire life, and he observed Jesus's disciples and his so-called disciples, and James is written primarily to Jewish believers, and um, so the big debate there was all you Christians now. You're not, you're not doing all the works because remember, Judaism was based on all these different works. And so he's trying to say, no, you, you have faith, but if you have faith without works, then it's not really faith. And so um, so people, were, I don't know why people want to try to prove to each other they have faith or they're in right standing with God when really the only person that it really matters is you, you and your relationship with God because it is relational when you go back to that. Is that so if God is my father... And he's promised me, if you put your faith and trust in my son, you're going to have eternal life. And then even Jesus says, nobody's going to pluck you out of my hand. And so the way I look at it is we try to pluck ourselves out of his hand. Mm, sure. When we say that I've sinned or I've done something over here where I'm no longer um, in God's graces. Now i got to get back into God's graces. i got to put myself back in back in God's hand. Um, now, i got a bad knee right now, so... But if I needed to, I could, I could. If you fell on the floor, I could pick you up and hoist you up. Right. But if I fell on the floor, I can't pick myself up. And so, so if I'm in God's hand, there's no way I can take myself out of God's hand. And so I don't understand. I know because doctrinally, um, we we've kind of had some discussions earlier before. Um, a lot of preaching and a lot of a lot of teaching of Christianity in America and in church life in America was behavioral based. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so if I look at you and I look at your outward appearance, then I've got to do something to get you to change so that you can look like us because we are claiming to be Christians. Whereas opposed to Christianity is all about an inward change. Then, then through that inward change, I'm going to have this outward uh, result. But I quoted that scripture from, um, 
Timothy, mm-hmm. um, like where he that. said, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because this was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. So, so if I've received Jesus' grace, then my whole motivation now to serve him and to do works for him now is to show his grace to other people so they can experience God's grace too. Not to have a checklist. So I'm like this super Christian over here and I've done all my stuff and look at me. It's like, okay, I'm, I, I struggle with, with everything like you do, but here's how I've gotten through things like this through God's grace and he'll do the same for you. So that's, I know that was kind of like a long twisty oh, road to try to answer a question, yeah. but hopefully you got answered. Well, no, and I like what you said about um, like Judaism and following the law. A lot of, I really think what separates Christianity from all of the world religions is one, the person of Jesus, and also how to obtain salvation. With Judaism, like, let's take the Old Testament Jews, for example. They felt like, some of them felt like they might have had to follow the law to do that. And I was, uh, I'm doing a, my quiet time right now and through Deuteronomy. And I'll be honest, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 28 is prophesying about how they're not going to listen. They're not going to follow the law. And he is chewing their butts like there's no tomorrow <laughs> in Deuteronomy chapter 28 because they haven't earned it. They haven't earned it. But there is this promise of, you know, coming back into, um, coming back into the land and something good for the future and I think of uh, like especially when we engage in other cultures like uh, when we like uh, Islam has like the five pillars of right. Islam um, Katrina you might know a little bit you know are there any other what are some other ways maybe some other world religions might say you can obtain obtain salvation those were kind of well, the two off the top of my head you can look at Buddhism um, yeah. Buddhism you know you meditate to uh, achieve enlightenment and December, yeah. they're celebrating the Bahi Day. And so, um, you know, we talked about that in the, the spiritual gifts class as well, about, um, you know, when you open yourself up to all the influence of the world, it's, it's not a healthy thing <laughs> spiritually. But that's why our scripture says you meditate on the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So when we focus our meditation, and we focus it on scripture and God's word, that's where the healthy part of you know your spiritual growth can come from that that act. Um, uh, but you've got a lot of workspace um, belief systems in the world and Islam that you mentioned. I actually just watched a, a clip on uh, YouTube, and it was talking about you know a lot of times when you're um, you know talking to someone about the differences between Islam and Christianity, they'll say, well, this is the same God. And the difference is the characteristics of that God. Mm. And the, the difference in the Christian God is that personal relationship, that free sacrificial gift um, that he gave for us to be in right relationship with him. And that's a beautiful thing. And I loved um, that passage from Second Timothy that you talked about. You mentioned and and how important God's, it was for God's purposes. And grace is continuous grace. And we tend to think... God's grace is limited, like you said, to that first moment of salvation, and then we have to work to to be back in his good favor. But that's not the way his grace is. It's for us at all times. So yeah. yeah. A question that I want to throw out to you three is this. If 
you were to go on the street and just ask people, how do I get to heaven? What do you think would be some common responses that you would hear from people today, kind of like in our culture? And the reason I ask this, I want to help our listeners know like how to, how to evangelize our culture. What are some ways that, uh, what are some ways people would say, yeah, this is how I can get to heaven. This is how I think people get to heaven. So, I mean, that'd be tough to do now because we don't, we don't have home court advantage, Mm -mm. meaning that you can't assume that most people out there actually are wanting to go to heaven or think they're going to heaven or believe in heaven. So I think the the answers are going to like really vary. Like, oh, we're not going to heaven because it doesn't exist. Or I think there's still a lot that think you have to earn it. Meaning, like, uh, I'd be a good person. My good outweighs my bad. Yeah. And honestly, if you watch, like, modern... I watch a lot of the Marvel movies. But if you watch, like, modern cinema, there's a lot of that kind of language, uh, even among other religions. They don't talk about it in Christianity much anymore, like, under the guise of Christianity. It's just in general. If I'm a good person mm-hmm. and my good outweighs my bad, then I get to go to X, Y, Z, whatever that whatever that religion or whatever that philosophy uh, presents. And so, like, I'm thinking of Moon Knight. If anyone watched Moon Knight, there's the Egyptian scales, like the scales of justice. And as long as you're good, outweighs your bad, at the, on, the, on your very last day, you get to go into paradise, which I don't know what it's called. Anyway. Right. Uh, but, and, and there's just, I think there's a whole lot of that. And uh, I'm going to jump off your question. So, That's all right. I'm going to jump back on to like, you know, why is it that, why is it we don't think it's by faith? Why, like, basically what we're trying to do in the Christian church, like growing up, is I see a lot of people trying to skip the most important step. Mm. So like, if you're going to be a faker or you're going to at least act like a Christian, then you just act like a Christian. And you start doing the works, and people assume you're a Christian. So we try to prove, like Jeff was saying, we try to prove to each other that we're a Christian, and I'm more Christian than you, or I'm a better Christian than you are. And all we've done is we've, we've jumped over the most important step, which is why Jeff actually quoted Galatians 2.21. He ended on Galatians 2.21, because all we're trying to do is we're trying to skip Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to go to heaven but I don't want to go through Jesus. Yeah. And all that does, like if you think you can earn your salvation, all you're doing is saying, Jesus died for no, no reason. reason. Right. Right. Why did he even come? Why do we do Christmas? Right? And so it's just, I can't believe, I, I, guess, I guess I'm getting older and I may be getting frustrated with like American Christianity, but I can't believe this I think ever, it's rightfully so. Though. I can't believe this ever <laughs> creeped into yeah. Christianity. I get it that it's in other religions because they're all false religions. Right. But in Christianity, how did we how did we ever get trapped into thinking like I could buy my salvation, I can earn my salvation by going to church or because it's always been about Jesus from the get-go for the Bible. And anything that you try to do on top of the gospel, you have to go over or skip the step of Jesus. Meaning that he, why did he even come? Why are we called Christians? Because it's not about Jesus at that point. It's not about Christ at that point. We didn't need a Messiah. We could just earn it on ourselves. And I know I just saw like soapboxed and went no, that I, no, and jumped to the conclusion I, of the podcast or the conclusion at least of the sermon. 
But I mean, that's why Jeff ended there, and that's why it was so like hit the nail on the head. Like this is all about Jesus. Anything you try to do that's not Jesus is just another religion, and it's false hope, and it's not faith. And I think if you look at, I mean, if you just look at it from Jesus' perspective, I think you make a great point. And a great point. Why did he even come to die? But if we could attain it by our works, why did he die that brutally? With how, oh, yeah. yeah, with how, with how rough the crucifixion process was. Why go through that when we could just obtain salvation on ourselves? It wouldn't make any sense, and that's why. Um, and because it was costly, and like you know, for the father, it costed him. Like the invitation song we say, "How deep the father's love for us." That uh, the guy who wrote that was thinking and meditating on what it costed the father to send his son because he knew that humans could not obtain righteousness or salvation on their own. Yeah. It costed the father his own son. Thankfully, he resurrected, and that is our hope with that. And I don't know I don't know how that ever got infiltrated into American Christianity. Jeff, maybe you can kind of talk on that because I don't, I don't know when that Well, I just think it's the whole thing about morality and good behavior um because one there once was a time in America when uh so so the world did their thing and the church did their thing and the world was okay to say okay church you guys be in charge of education you guys be in charge of uh government and all that stuff we're here just for the gold you guys are here for God y'all can do all that and we're here for the gold and um so somehow or another um the melting of the two became like 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 uh, the turning point modernly was when when Jerry Falwell created the moral majority, yeah. and it became politics and Christianity wrapped together, and like so they compromise and say, "Hey, we can work with uh, uh, we can work with all these groups. Doesn't really matter what they're teaching, like you know, groups that we normally wouldn't." Uh, yoke up with but because they're moral like us and they're teaching we need to have good behavior and we need to do all these things then we are, we're going to come together and so I think that in the modern sense is where it all kind of got brought in together and so church uh, became then something you do and how you act and how you present yourself uh, to the rest of the world and now we want the rest of the world too, to behave like we do so you skipped the whole point was government and church and government working together is not going to save anybody. In fact, religion and government working together will crucify people. That's why the Jesus. And so I think that's that's kind of what happened was uh, it, it all good. got it got all got in, inter, intertwined, and it's hard to break free from that. It's hard to say, okay, let's strip off everything that that's been attached to Christianity in this this world we live in today and now let's just preach the solid regular gospel and hopefully that will attract people and people be saved but here's the problem people like to hear behavioral style messages they want to have their toes stepped on or they want you to be preaching about somebody so they can say well he's talking to that person right there right there because that's what preaching became and um, so it's, it's hard to not get into that, that system once you're into it. And it's hard to get out of it, too, once you're in it. 
But once you do, once you break free and realize grace is the motive, grace is the source, it's, it's, it's the thing that drives drives us to God or, or pulls us to God or however way you want to say it. Grace is what it's all about. And once you realize that and understand that, then you can you can break off all the shackles of everything else you've attached to Christianity and your Christian life and how people should live this Christian life. It's not about really behavior. It's about life. I'm living my life, you know, to give glory and honor to God. And if that means I go on a mission trip or if I put $10 in a bucket at the Salvation Army person or all that other stuff, I'm not doing it for any other reason than I feel compelled by the Spirit to do that stuff. And, uh, and then he gets the glory. Um, you know, once you put a name on a stained glass window or put a, a name on a pew or somebody receives a plaque or something like that, then you've basically taken all the glory and given it to someone else. So it's really hard. It's hard to be, it's hard, but it's easy, hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's really the easiest thing we should do. And if we would do it and trust God, I think he'll honor it. Um, but it's when you have a whole group of people that grew up in a church, they think one way, and then the people coming in that may be looking in or coming in some way through a side door or just by curiosity or something, they're hearing all this stuff for the first time. So if they show up at your church and you're all about behavior and, and politics and stuff like that, then they're going to think, well, that's what it's all about. Mm. So that's why it's important to try to, try to strip yourself from everything that would um, keep you from presenting the, the clear message of the gospel. Yeah, each and every week. absolutely. And we can't forget as Christians, and especially during Christmas time, I think... I think Christmas time is very easy to exalt Christ, but it can also be a time where we can get so bogged down and what am I going to get family members uh, for Christmas? You know, what um, what is a Christmas service going to be like? You know, what are my travel plans? It can actually be a time where we can actually forget a lot about Christ at Christmas time. Um, and my encouragement, you know, for the listener is remember your purpose in life as a Christian is to bring glory back to God. His mission is for us to share the gospel with people who are uh, sinners and in need of a savior, and to bring and it's all to bring glory back to Himself, not to us. And a lot of times with Christmas, I mean, we can. I mean, Christmas is a great time for Christmas music, you know, Santa presents. But we cannot miss the real reason for Christmas. That greatest gift of all it was the incarnate Christ who came and um, and died for us. And I like what you said yesterday. Nobody really had a problem with, I guess, baby Jesus. But, um, you know, Jesus got or I think, of a King Herod, you know, trying to massacre him. And he became actually a not-so-loved guy. He was loved by a lot, but he was also hated by a lot to the point that it killed him. But it's a great message to say uh, this Christmas season. And it's also an easy season to share the gospel, you know. It, regardless if it's like looking at a nativity scene with somebody or whatever. And that's the reason why at Christmas is the very one of the most important times, Christmas and Easter, because you are going to have people that will show up in your churches. That's when you really, 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 really have to really present the gospel clearly for people. So they can, Because that may be the only time, the first time uh, that they're going to hear what it's really about. If they show up and they hear anything else other than that, then 
we haven't really done our job right. No. And so um, so this coming Sunday, we're going to look at um, that Jesus is Emmanuel. We're going to look at that, that uh, passage in Matthew where the angel tells uh, Joseph what's happening. Yeah. And then he refers back to Isaiah, that, that great passage that points to this virgin will give a sign. You'll name him Emmanuel. So, I'm so that's Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, we're going to look at no room hmm. with the innkeeper how there's no room for Jesus. So so Sunday night would be one of those evangelical because of the kids singing. There'll be a lot of people here. A lot of people come to the pageants and things like that and musicals. And then Sunday morning, of course, you know, just helping us know who Jesus is, this Emmanuel, this God with us. I think those are going to be two great topics coming up for, um, and it's uh, going to be exciting to, exciting to hear. Any last thoughts before we uh, close out with the podcast today? I got one kind of cool thing. Okay. It's kind of off topic. That's all right. Not. But uh, so uh, I was, we've been studying spiritual gifts, both me and Katrina, and I think maybe somebody else. I don't know why we're all studying spiritual gifts right now. <laughs> but uh, in the Bible, they're actually called the charismata, huh. which they're called the grace gifts. <laughs> if you really just straight translated it, it would be the grace gifts. And uh, I didn't know I've been thinking awesome. about, like, he talked about grace. Really, gift is just another word for grace in mm-hmm. some, uh, like, especially in the Greek. Gift is another word for grace. And, like, this is where the word, like, charisma comes from and charismatic. Yeah. And it's, it's from the grace gifts. And so, like, um, but it's, the reason I bring it up is because, and I taught it yesterday. Y'all can see it on the board. The people on the podcast can't. But... I wanted people to understand that there's a there's a like a progression like things that have to happen in order for something else to happen. So A has to happen for B to happen, and then B has to happen before C happens. And that's why I, I, I kind of went on the rant about like we need to stop skipping Jesus. Yeah. Because people want the grace gifts, and we want this gift of God, but we want it packaged in something other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to like show that I'm a believer, so I get really spiritual when it comes time to like do giving, or because I'm trying to show or prove to people that I'm I'm saved. When all you're doing is you you've you've moved past uh, Jesus, and so man, this is a good sermon, and we do sort of have home court advantage uh, during the Christmas season, yeah, uh, because it's like. Like I, I, we're selling Christmas trees at the garden center, yeah. And I have no like qualms. I, I've never had qualms saying like Merry Christmas, but if you're coming to get a Christmas tree, you'd have a hard time telling me you don't celebrate Christmas. Like, right. <laughs> I don't think that everyone who buys a Christmas tree is a Christian. Right. But at least you got a little bit of a home court advantage. But, well, yeah. well, now you've got Buddhism, like we talked about, and yeah. they they are celebrating their uh, enlightenment of Buddha. Uh, at this time and they use lights to do it so a lot of them will put up a Christmas tree they recognize yeah. Jesus as a good moral person and and teacher and and then they'll they'll put up Christmas trees for a light so you you will have an opportunity to to uh, witness to mm-hmm. others that are celebrating in a similar form but for different reasons and you know and you brought that up but that that video we showed yesterday for the Lottie moon mm-hmm. where that God was the servant of the gods. Mm-hmm. And then once he realized Jesus was the one true God, he went to each and every one of his false gods and told them, I'm not going to serve you anymore. Mm-hmm. 
That was amazing. And that's what faith looks like. That's really what God wants us to do. When we say yes to Jesus, we're supposed to say no to all the false gods in our life. And that's the sanctification process. We put it all in that one package. Okay, I'm saved. I'm good to go. No, that's the beginning. And I think that's what James is getting at. All right, so you've made this faith commitment. Now, live it out. And once you start living it out, you have to start saying no to every God you had in your life. Because if not, you're going to continue to serve them. And then, you know, you're not really serving the one true God. So I thought that video went well with the message yesterday. But yeah, um, I know it was hard. It was his English wasn't 100% great, but it's a video worth watching again. If you're, um, you can go online and watch it with the, um, the sermon yesterday. And it's a, I just can't harp on uh, just how what a great time it is to let people know the hope that's within us, uh, to know the reason why we celebrate everything. It seems like around Christmas revolves around that gift that was given. You know, the reason we give that the reason we give gifts is because we've received a gift. You know, it kind of emulates what the Father did. You know, for us with the Son. And it's just a great, it's just a great time for us to just really appreciate our position in Christ and what He came to do and was to save the world. So, I thought it's been a really think it's been a good discussion today, guys. Uh, thank y'all so much for your input and thank you for our listeners who are listening and tuning in. Share the gospel with somebody this week. Let us know how it goes. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to any four of us. We would be more than happy to answer them here on your podcast and it can be about anything so let us know what questions you have we love you thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one so long